0: Welcome back to the Mad Map Podcast, where Mark and Denzel make a podcast. We are your hosts,
1: Mark Andre Alexander
0: and Denzel Jobson. Join us as we interview today's guests about their journey of returning to the self and the lessons learned along the way.
1: Today is going to be a bonus episode where we will interview um, Mr. Denzel Jobson and um, a great friend of mine. And today we also, to help me with this interview, have a great friend Denzel, uh, Kristen, who is uh, hailing from Brooklyn and knows Denzel from obviously from high school, but I will let her introduce herself. So Kristen, for me and our listeners, can you tell me a little bit about you and how you've met Denzel? Was he always kind of the wisest person in the room?
2: Did he tell you to say that? That's my question. <laughs>
1: It was a genuine question because I've known Denzel right at Yale, which was after you've known him, and he always, you know, was a very wise uh, young man who had great, you know, always gave great advice and all these things. So I am excited to hear about you, you know, when you met him in high school and and so how you guys know each other, how it happened, and um, and who you are.
2: Yeah, well, hi everyone. I'm Kristen. Um, Let's see. Yes, I'm in Brooklyn. I am enjoying the summer <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I'm a creative mind. So that's, that's what I'll awesome. say um, as a descriptor for me. Um, I met Denzel in high school, ninth grade via, uh, I think humanities class, maybe. Mm-hmm. And in that room, he was the oldest person. So I think that, you know, that wise, that wiseness that you're referring to is because in every room, he's always the oldest human there. Cause he's I like. See. 7,000 years old um but yeah that's that's how we met and um knew him throughout high school and college and you know here we are now
1: yeah no awesome um funny because I yeah I probably was one of the oldest my grade uh my year so I definitely am a few months older than Denzel so I've I don't know if I'm as wise that's as them, you but guys I
2: so well this is <laughs> making sense. I love it
1: yeah, we never connected with the kids are great. You know, they were all young and, <laughs> and foolish and we had the you know wherewithal to know things better. And so we connected on that level. Just want to give a quick intro. I mean, I think probably by now. Um, you guys have some idea of who Denzel is, but for those who don't, you know, Denzel was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, um, from a West Indian, Grenadian household. So you went to high school at St. Paul's School, which obviously is where you met Kristen. And after that, went to Yale, earned a bachelor' a bachelor's degree in, in political science. Um, that's where we met. Um, that was part of the men's track team. But also, you were involved in so many different things. And I, till this day, it all still baffled me just how busy you were at Yale. But one of the f- a few of those things was uh, being... Obviously, a member, an uh, important member of the Black Men's Union. Also, were uh, president of this uh, beautiful union um, our, our junior year. Uh, but you we were also a first-year counselor, which is, again, the wise Denzel comes here, where he was um, helping and advising and really counseling first-year students. And that's uh, a role that is, is uh, very popular. And, and not everybody gets a chance to do it. But Denzel, being a great human that he is, um, got the chance to do it. I'm sure he was a great, we call it, we say Froco. Uh, was a great Froco um, that senior year. But after graduating, you went to consulting um, for a few years. And now you work in tech, uh, still living in Brooklyn, uh, enjoying your time with you know family, friends, uh, discovering a bunch of different things in, in your own city, but also picked up Japanese again, which I know you had done that in college. Uh, but anyways, hey, Denza has a lot of interests like manga, anime, education, um, and obviously, last thing Denzel is uh the second half of this uh of this podcast so um Denzel is there anything that you wanted to add uh that I forgot I'll just turn it to over to you and see if uh, there's anything I'm missing here
0: no I think you you both got it really well I just appreciate it I appreciate all the love it's super weird to be interviewed by friends and people who know you well uh, Kristen I'll just say I there were many rooms in St. Paul's where I was not the oldest you're forgetting the actual teacher right uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely younger than all of our teachers uh-huh. um, okay. and so I, I just wanted to throw that in there and yeah mark all the the wisdom grace patience good advice right back at you because I'm always going to to both of you for advice, right? So, Kristen, I see you—you know—really bringing in Gen Z on the on the wisdom there. So, oh,
2: wow, 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 wow! Okay. I don't know what to say.
1: <laughs> well, then, so let me start off with the first question, and that's not going to be a surprise because we, at the in the Mad Map podcast, you know, ask this question first. And so, um, obviously, a very important theme for us, and you know, the idea of returning to oneself. Trying to kind of remain honest, right, with with who we are, and uh, and block out the outside noise and distractions, and um, and that can mean obviously different things to different people. And but I obviously wanted to hear you on that and and see how well one. Who are you, right? How do you how would you answer that question of who is Denzel Jobson?
0: Yeah, you know, as a co-host, I've asked this question to people now eleven times. And I've had two plus months to think about an answer. So you would think that (laughs) I would have something. And I think as we went through, Mark and I, we went through every interview and asked this to multiple guests, Uh, each subsequent conversation just made me realize, I don't know. (laughs) And Mm. I think even like Kristen came on today and said, I'm a creative mind. And in in this moment, I was just like, man, how did you get to that so quickly? (laughs) And so I think for me is uh, actually what has come to mind is as I've heard people describe themselves as um, a creative mind, a curious person, like an artist, an entrepreneur, an independent thinker, various different things. I think the one thing that I sort of settled on was just someone who's very much trying to live freely which is feels like super broad and ambiguous. And my mind right now is thinking about, okay, well, I've been behind the scenes. I know I got to give something that Mark and Kristen can use to ask follow-up questions, but um, (laughs) no, no, I think, yeah, that's been, that was the only thing that came to my mind. And then, I mean, I know that's essentially what, what the concept of return to self means, right? Like the question of who are you before the, you know, the world got in the way and you started listening to other people and all that good stuff. But I think I really do just often think about whether the perceptions or expectations that I find myself subscribing to, um, sometimes consciously or subconsciously, and, you know, how can I live free of those, whether it's, you know, what society might expect, whether it's what a work culture might expect, whether it's what, you know, West Indian culture might expect, or my household culture might expect, and I think maybe you're never really there, but that's always kind of the thing that I come back to. Like, how do I know that I am living freely in a way that the things that I'm doing, I'm not reacting to something or rebelling against something, but I'm actually in and of myself doing that thing. I just, um, because, you know, I moved back home earlier this year, yeah, January this year, and I was home for four months. And it sort of reminded me of, I don't think it's a childlike instinct, I think it's a human instinct to sort of like rebel. Uh, And it sort of made me wonder how much of my decisions come from rebelling against a thing versus having a genuine pure interest in a thing. And the attitude and experience, um, depending on the mindset you're coming from is complete, complete 180. So yeah I think just trying to get a better sense of like what do I actually want to be doing and how do I actually want to be spending my time? I think I spent a good amount of life just trying to defy expectations and I'm getting to a point where I'm realizing that that motivation isn't isn't enough and isn't necessarily like what I want to be led by anymore
1: It's funny because I mean really the thing that that uh, stuck out is is really you saying that you are trying to live freely, and one way I've seen you do that particularly was in the professional world and what you've been looking for and trying to achieve and and also how honest you were with yourself because you know us coming from Ivy League schools I think we're in a situation an environment that really is pushing for success and people being you know in the force 30 under 30 all these crazy things and you know signs of success and achievements and I think especially in the last I want to say like year i've heard you kind of use a language that I didn't use to hear you say a lot or even others around us which was hey I'm I just want to be good like I just want to have you know what I need and I don't need to have like millions of dollars or billions of dollars and be an entrepreneur and have these crazy things going on I want to make sure I have enough to sustain myself and the people I care about and you'd be surprised that this is not as high as you might think Um, and then I want to be able to spend time with my family my friends people I love travel do whatever I want have that freedom really and not let work you know uh be kind of that that bond chain so I definitely feel like you've been able to um choose wisely um and and use that kind of basically living freely as a compass but I guess you know because my second question was very I guess you kind of answered it but I I I want to hear if you did, did, if you do it in different ways, well, outside of the professional side of things. But, and the question was, you know, what does that process, right. Of returning to the self of living freely, what does it look like for you? I know I've in a way answered the, you know, you've how you do it on the professional side of things, but um, maybe in other situations in your life, how do you, how do you, uh, how does that process look like?
0: Yeah, that's a, a great question. I, I think you both probably know this, but when I went into college, I wanted to be a teacher, you know, grew up Canarsie. And I would say what's unique about Canarsie is um, I've actually, you know, my dad's side is Jamaican, my mom's side is Grenadian, I've only been to Grenada, but Canarsie is like, what, 95% West Indian. I think the like most common uh, nationalities, I think it's Jamaican, Haitian, and then Trinidadian. And so, you know, I grew up in a very, not just Black neighborhood, but West Indian neighborhood. All my teachers were West Indian up until high school. So, I mean, like, like I just feel like the experience that I had in public school, I loved it. And I feel like it's not, it took me a long time to realize that that wasn't the experience most kids are having, especially not most Black kids. You know, I remember in eighth grade, I just, throughout school, teachers said things to us that's normal for like an aunt or an uncle to say in West Indian culture that you could not say in a normal school setting because that teacher would get fired. You know what I mean? But for us, it was yeah. like, oh, no, she, my mom talks to me that no, way.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> or my aunts, t- so school felt like, like I remember, um, man, there was this one kid, Shamar, man, he never did his homework. Like, and every day he had a new excuse. And I remember one day our teacher, Miss Jacobs, was from Jamaica, and she looked at him and she said, you know you could kill someone and have them put in jail (laughs) and this was eighth grade we're like what i love that
2: you remember this like yeah right that's a core memory
0: (laughs) that's because that was just that is just a perfect analogy of what school was like and that was one of her more like kinder comments i mean miss jacobs used to go off on us like if we weren't and i would say also i i never had people who pushed me harder then like my teachers in conservative, like Miss Jacobs used to get on me. All my teachers get on me all the time. Like I was late every day, man. Middle school, I, I don't know how many school days we have in a year, like 150 or something like that. I was late one in three days, like missing whole periods. And Miss Jacobs used to pull me aside and say, Man, all my tax dollars are going to you. <laughs> I mean, you know, like she just used to like get oh, into me and, and then she would pull me aside and say you know, Denzel, I think you have so much potential and it's so sad to watch you like waste it. I think you could, you know, and and all the kids kind of got that. And and even Shamar, I mentioned earlier, Miss Jacobs would sort of make that joke, but then also pull him aside and say, man, well, listen, like this is preparing you and disciplining you for just like for life, for work, for responsibility. Like this is where it starts. So, you know, I I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to go back to Canarsity. I wanted to go back to, you know, my middle school or that's what I wanted to do and so Mark to your question of like free I feel like uh I haven't really done that in a lot of ways because when I got to college you know uh, us being alum of Yale and Brown you know I remember telling people I wanted to be a public school teacher and I think in the Ivy League there was a lot of pressure around like accolades and so I remember you know there was sort of I remember people telling me you came to Yale to become a teacher and, and you know, cut, like, so there was a lot of, like, reprogramming that was happening in my mind that was like, oh, these things that I want, I shouldn't want them. You know, it's like, if you're going to go to the Ivy League and become a teacher, do TFA, do a Fulbright, do something that's going to have the merit and the external accolade. And so I got a lot of that pressure. And I started to feel like, oh, maybe I wasn't ambitious. Maybe the things I had set out for myself, like, weren't enough. And then there was a lot of You know, I remember when I graduated uh, an older black alumni pulling me aside and saying, you know, you have a responsibility to black men everywhere because by your age, you should have been in jail by now. And and here, this is my graduation day. And here you are able to walk across this graduation stage at Yale. How many black men get this opportunity? You have a responsibility to like maximize your like financial earning potential. You know what I mean? So it was just that kind of coded language that, yeah, that's why I chose consulting. So that's an example of, you know, I felt like I made a lot of decisions that uh, I felt like I, I had to prove something to people to kind of say, hey, okay, well, I got this opportunity. I just want to let you all know, like, I'm grateful for this and I'm like listening. But I think that's the reason why, you know, we're five years out of college and five years out of college, I've had five jobs. Because I've kind of just kept going from you know thing to thing that isn't necessarily what what I ever have wanted for myself. But also, the further you go down a path like this, the harder it is to leave. Because you know, for all of us, we get in the conversations of, "Ooh, my peers are earning this amount per year, and oh, yeah. this is what they're doing on LinkedIn." Or like, dang, he's a thirty under thirty for real. Him? Yeah. You know, and so you you get into you get into these things and it starts to mess with your psyche. So I, I think in the professional route, um, man, I'm team quit, you know. I think uh <laughs> I always I always I always give a job a year because that's that's what it says in the fine print. And I I really respect the people who are like, nah, six months, three months, this ain't it. I'm out. I I don't have that courage. I wish I did, but yeah, I think I've been very much like in a work perspective. Um, if it if it doesn't feel like it's for me, I'm gonna leave. And I think um, in a, in my personal life, that's been a little bit more difficult because then you gotta then you, you know you gotta unpack a lot of things. You gotta think about family expectations. That that stuff Maybe. is a little bit harder. Um, and I would say what also makes that easier is I think we are moving toward a place where like mental health is something I guess talked about a lot more. And I think I've just I mean this is pretty terrible, but being I've been in, you know, kind of more intense work environments, I've also seen a lot of like health related issues. So like I at Deloitte, I remember this guy had a, a stress induced seizure in the office. And he was like a few years older than us. And like, he had a seizure, paramedics came, they took him away, people went back to work. I was like, nah, 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 nah. Like, I can't watch a man seize up, and then go back to work. And it was this mindset of, how can people do this? And so just little things like that, I think, uh, realizing I don't have the capacity that a lot of other people, other people do in this professional context, because that messed me up for weeks. You know, I would get nervous or stressed out at work and my heart would beat faster. And I would think, Oh my God, am I about to have a seizure? Am I about to have a seizure? So just re- the realization of, Hey, I don't think I'm cut out for some of these more intense work environments and I'm okay with that. And I think, um, intensity looks like many different things, right? Because like teaching has its own kind of intensity, but particular kind of corporate intensity that I've been in for for a little while was just like, hey, I, I can't do this and I think that's okay. But it took me a long time to feel like that's okay, and not that, oh, I'm not good enough, or why can't I keep up with blah, blah, blah. And you know, y'all know the other thing I'm thinking about is man, how much of this this life given to us in North America how much of that is is for me, right? Like, uh, you know, all of our parents, uh, our grandparents, they made the voyage to come from the islands, you know, to pursue the American dream. Um, And this was was their dream for us, but um, is it my dream for me? I don't know. So, yeah, I think always just trying to like question these things and, you know, just looking out and seeing what the experiences are of people in a space and whether or not that's the experience I want for myself. And then secondly, just sort of asking that question of, um, sometimes even like the simple questions of where do I want to live who do I want to be in contact with what do I want my days to look like you know this concept of you work for, for 65 years you know you go to school and you go to work and then you retire at age 65 you know um, I don't know what this is like in your family Mark and in, in your family Kristen but a lot of the men in my family haven't made it to 65 so even from that perspective it's like this whole dream of retirement and social security and all those benefits like I don't know if I'm going to get there right so I think I owe it to to myself to just see like how I can try to live more fully with the time that I have because tomorrow's not promised
2: okay preach on (laughs) you your um call outs around like reprogramming and like realizations made me think about like is there a version of yourself that you are trying to return to right because you said like back in the day i wanted to be a teacher and then i didn't do it so like is there a version of denzel that is a teacher that you want to get to or like is there a version of denzel that used to be free right like maybe as a child or is there a version of denzel that like maybe is living in a parallel universe that you're trying to like get to somehow um or I guess the question is, it, does that exist? Is there is there like a version of Denzel that you're like, I need to get back to him or do you just not know and you're trying to like create that said version? Cause I feel like that, those are two different paths um, and that can be like a little bit tough to unpack. Cause I feel like a lot of us are probably having the same uh, experiences in that regard.
0: True project manager question right there. Just You like-
2: know, you know, <laughs> you gotta PM things. I'm trying to, like, I, really- I want the clarity. I want the clarity. Yeah
0: ability to just like okay this person is talking 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 but I need the highlights I need the (laughs) the The
2: people need to know you're you're the wise one right that people need to hear you know the details the steps
0: okay I appreciate it's a good question I like these questions there is like a childhood Denzel that again this could just be some made-up fantasy in my head but there is a childhood Denzel that I think of as being like very very free and just like without any expectation or pressure, just like enjoying life. I don't really remember much of that Denzel, but I think it's, uh, to spare a long story short, and again, this is, you know, you're gonna hear me harp on like West Indian stereotypes, but there was a moment in my childhood, I think when I was probably like 11 or 12, when I sort of looked out at my family and I remember thinking, the construct of a West Indian man, as I see him, I don't wanna be. And so I think a lot of my actions and decisions after that we're in react, whether they were good or bad, we're all in reaction to that. And so when I think about like a self a, a free self I wanna return to, it's that like almost naiveness. Before I woke up and was like, oh my gosh, all these uncles who I love so deeply have all these kids out there that they don't see, you know, it was, it was coming to the reality of, hey, an individual can be a great to me but if they're making all of these decisions and choices that I don't agree with, it reprogrammed my relationship to a lot of the men in my family. You know, we, we joke about, you know, secret families. But when you wake up one day and you're like, oh, my gosh, like my dad has a secret family like that, you know, how, how do you then rethink about your relationship to that individual? And, you know, so I think there's like there's the Denzel before he realized kind of like the things that the older folks in the family know but don't Mm -hmm. tell you Mm -hmm. and i think i think the way you come to those things is also a little bit stark because i think in a lot of west indian culture people don't talk about it you know so i remember i had i had an uncle who was was losing weight losing weight losing weight and he was like, yeah, I'm on this weight loss program and it's going great and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, all right, man, do your thing. You, you're trying to lose weight, trying to get more fit, whatever, 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 whatever. Three years later, he dies of prostate cancer. And I mean, this was a while ago. And I remember I was talking to my grandmother and she was like, yeah, yeah, you know, we don't want to tell the kids, but everybody knew. And, and it's that kind of stuff of like, oh. wow, like I really wish I would have known that I, I would have approached that time that he was in the world a little bit differently. So it's, it's, the, it's I, I, I don't know, I have lots of feelings on, I think how a lot of, maybe adults in general, but in the West Indian culture, the things that are kept from quote unquote kids, because all of us being in our late twenties, I'm still a kid. There's still stuff that my, I was at a family event the other day and this woman came up to me and she was like, Hey, Denzel, how you doing? I never seen this woman in my life. I was like, what? And she knew a bunch of stuff about me. And she was like, yeah, I'm your grandfather's sister. And in my head, I've met all my grandfather's sisters. So I'm like, who's this woman? So I call my mom over. I'm like, yo, mom, this woman talking about she grandpa's sister. And my mom was like... Yeah, well, you know, that's from, I was like, what? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was like, yo, like, bro, like, come on. Like, when is this going to stop? When are people going to stop popping up? And, you know, that's so, I, I think there's a Denzel before the kind of rec- the recognition of, dang, my family has, you know, there's a lot of secrets and a lot of things that were withheld from me that I think really impact how I see my relationships with them. There's a Denzel before that. But I think um, I, I'm not going to get back to that, Denzel. I think life is complicated. You have to live with the nuances of those things. But I think in terms of a more like forward approach, I do think, I think this is why I've gotten back into Japanese study. I really enjoyed languages. I mean, Chris, you know, we had some Spanish classes together back in the day in high school. And then in college, I went down a Japanese route. And then I remember like junior year of, of uh, college. I ran into I ran into this dude. Long story short, at a at an event at the Japanese Embassy in D.C., and you know, I was like, he doesn't expect me to speak Japanese, I was, so I went up to him and I I flexed, I flexed hard. My grammar and everything was probably whack, but I flexed <laughs> super hard. And you know, it turned out he worked at the U.S. Embassy in Tokyo, and so he he was he invited me um, to apply uh, to work there uh, for a fellowship for a year. And I remember. I was like 22 years old and I looked at him in his face and I was like, yeah, my mom won't let me. And I reflect on that. And I was like, yeah, I'm a, I was a grown ass man, bro. <laughs> you know, but just that, like that feeling of, you know, um, knowing what that conversation would have been like to have with my extended family, but also that as a scapegoat for my own fear. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of me, a lot of me has gone back to uh, just the joy I felt of studying languages the excitement, although with some fear I had about like going to Tokyo and Japan. And so I've resumed some of that. I don't know what that'll look like in terms of a job. Like, will I teach in Japan? You see a lot of Americans who go to Japan and they teach English. Um, Will I live in Japan for an extended period of time? Uh, I don't know the answers to those things, but I guess I'm just trying to lean in on why I really enjoyed studying Japanese um, at that time when I was in college. Uh, since resuming, I've enjoyed and I'm continuing to enjoy it. And I'm just going to see where it goes and not really try to set expectations or definitions of like what it'll, it'll look like. So Kristen, as a PM, you have to let me know if I truly answered the question or if I was just, uh, you know, piggybacking off of so-and-so. I'm I- trying, don't
2: use, don't use the corporate talk in this convo, that's yeah. great. Just to
0: round out this conversation, right, right. I want to clarify the objective. Round
2: it up. I literally, y'all, as a PM, after every call, I have to go, just to recap, and then you have to go through everything, next steps, all of that. Hate that. life. Um, No, I, I hear what you're saying. I think what I'm picking up from you is that the naivete of just like being a child and also just not knowing all of the realities of things that are uncomfortable right like things that exist that are uncomfortable in your family in the world like that makes a lot of sense and it's obviously tough to do that as an adult once you start to you know have like a certain self-awareness or you start to um kind of live in a world where things are unjust like you can't really go back to that which is totally fair but I love to um hear you talk about something as specific as like your your journey with language and how all of the opportunities tied to them you were pretty like afraid of you know in the past and literally this these past two years you've just been like doing the opposite of all of those uh those fears that you mentioned you know you're literally trying to actually leave the country based on your your learning of the language and you're you're out there you're going to conventions and you're um practicing your your japanese um taking classes so it's good to hear that there's like this tangible thing for you that's like if i need to return to a self I can do it through this avenue of studying a language. Like that's a pretty cool experience.
0: Yeah, and I mean, just excellent recap there. Just you know, hands uh, round round of applause to the PM right there, you Kristen. Yes. And to your point of like, you know, you asked the question of which self, and um, you sort of implied it, but just you know, it's important to recognize we all have like many different selves, mm-hmm. and that that's an interesting thing to wake up to the realization of also right. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. um, I think what sort of serves me with the language study and, and I'll just say going way back you know growing up in New York City public school system everybody's learning Spanish right like Chris you, you had Spanish as well right like I mean Mark did you have to learn it I guess you were in once Quebec yeah. so it's French it and was English.
1: English yeah
0: yeah oh yeah it, it was English English is your but you see you know what I mean like and everybody on this podcast hears it you listen to Mark talk, that does not sound like a man whose second language is English, that he started like really getting it. Like you really, really started getting into English in high school, right? So you were what, 15? Really? Yeah.
1: I was, yeah, around 15. Oh, that's very, but very important. Even in high school too, it was like the basic, you know, grammar and like practice a little bit, and, you know, during those classes. But then after classes, like, I mean, I speak French like 95% of the time. So I think UCC, so like I guess boarding school, I was what, 18, was really when I was fully immersed in a completely different language setting if i can kind of like that environment that's why i'm looking forward to you you know hopefully you know fingers crossed knock on wood everything that exists here uh that you will be in japan um and and be immersed fully in a different Mm -hmm. culture but also in different language because i think your body when when you put yourself in a very tough situation i think uh your body reacts and and gets to get find comfort very quickly Um, and you being in a very uncomfortable place like Japan would I think push you to learning the language probably even faster than you you Mm -hmm. probably think you can I guess that's what happened with me in in in, uh, boarding school
0: and and your story is impressive I feel like uh, something that I've experienced in my language learning journey is you can't express yourself right to the extent that you would like sometimes you can't even say anything and there are times where I'm in a Japanese class and I, I feel dumb I can't say the things are on my mind. I know what I'm saying doesn't make sense, and you know, Harriet, Mark, you came to another country where like French is obviously not the dominant language, um, and you continue to work right using English. So I don't know, just like hats off and much kudos to you and and all the other people, right? Because you know, someone once told me when it came to the language study, he said, "Yeah, it's not for the faint of heart." And in the beginning, it I was like, not.
2: "It's really not." Yeah, no.
0: I was like, "This person's being dramatic," but it's not
2: no specifically english though some more kudos to mark because thank you you know there's so many posts on like so many memes about like how ridiculous the english language is um like looking at homonyms and uh trying to understand like how two things could be spelled differently and sound the same like yeah it's a mess but to be fair french french is not a
1: better language because there's a bunch of rules that say like with verbs Mm. but then there's also tons of exceptions to those rules and so it's like well what the hell's going on here. So, <laughs> but it, yeah,
0: but, um, and Kristen, let's not, let's Kristen. Yeah. Right. You're, I mean, I don't know what it's going to look like in the future, but you were trying to learn Hindi. So let, let's, oh let's,
2: guys, I love Hindi so much,
0: which, I which know. again is yeah. like growing up here in the States. I mean, obviously you have like family ties, but choosing Hindi as opposed to, you know, like a, a, a Spanish or a French yeah. or a no offense, Mark, but you know, those are the typical languages Americans choose. And, and you really went out there with, with Hindi. So also just like kudos to you for really putting yourself out there.
2: You know, we're trying. And as you always do, you're taking a whole conversation that is literally meant to talk to you oh, only and scared. trying to like throw tell everybody me, else in me. here to make it, make it a, a little circle so that everyone else gets in, included. That's so cute. <laughs> you know, but let's, say, let's get back, back to business.
0: You know what I mean? Uh, but I will answer your question. <laughs> I think what's unique right now is Um, I'm able to look at the people who I studied Japanese with in college who I didn't, who didn't stop. Mm Because I stopped, right? And I picked it back up really in earnest at the end of 2021. And the people who didn't stop, um, to just talk to them, see the level of immersion, see how far they've been able to go. Some of them moved to Tokyo or moved to Japan after graduation and are still there. Um, Some of them work as translators. Some of them work you know, as diplomat, uh, moving toward like diplomatic post positions um, with like US government and Japan relations. And so just I think the realization of, oh, yeah, it's definitely possible. It's just a time game. And I just didn't put in the time. And And as long as I'm willing to commit to the time it takes, um, then I can definitely make it happen. So I think having and I'm, I'm still connected to those people. So now they can give me advice and tips and all those different things. But you know it always helps to see people um, and especially to be able to talk to someone who um, is further down a path that you're on and, and they can really give you that retrospective feedback so yeah that that obviously helps so much in terms of this journey and i'll just add like language study is, is it's, it's, it's when you're in college and you're around people it's super super fun but when you're when you have a full-time job and then you come home and you're in your apartment just like practicing vocabulary or grammar or, or punctuation um by yourself one you sound crazy to your neighbors um two it's it's a it's a it's much more of a lonely experience you know so also you know having a realization of um man like sometimes in the pursuit of wanting to be even half decent at something um there's a lot of uh, isolation that that's going to require because not everything you can necessarily do in a group and that's only um exacerbated by like this COVID moment because most most my Japanese classes are virtual
1: I I just want to because there's a lot of things here that you you said and I kind of want to jump into the because I'm super curious about that next question and um I'm not as good of a a synthesizer as uh as Christian is I'm not a PM (laughs) so I might not be able to to do it but I I know you've picked up there's a few things that you said that kind of stuck with me and um, I guess two things one is is seems like there's a really strong intention to really becoming your own person and I think that requires you to in a way many ways maybe dissociate yourself from Cause I know you're talking about like, you know, you being your younger self and, and having a certain idea of your know, family and, and this, and, and I think once you understood certain things about, okay, there's a lot of things that we don't talk about that maybe we should, or that we should open up about that things that are kept secret that I'm learning 20 years, like you know, 15 years later. And so it's almost like for you to become your own person and, and thrive, you had to in a way, dissociate yourself from um, some aspects of your family dynamics or situations or habits um Which is not easy to do um I think you know in the way I do it too I mean again is it West Indian families in particular um is it just being an adult and that's how some you know people deal with things I know for my family whenever things are hard or complicated it's usually easier for them to avoid talking about it or mentioning it uh, is it because they don't know how to bring it up they don't have to you know they don't know how to to deal with it I don't know but that's just how to deal with it and it seems like you're know your family dynamic was similar um so yeah so basically becoming your own person but two the second thing was definitely yeah uh learning new things and new habits and new uh you know ways to to deal with these problems but also unlearning a lot of things right um and i guess the question under all this the question for me is is kind of what does it mean you know to balance having that caribbean or west indian background but also the responsibilities that come with it when it comes to, you know, supporting your family, all these things and having gone to Yale, but also, uh, and also obviously being born in the US, uh, right? And now it's funny because you're talking about moving outside of the US to achieve certain things. So how do you, in a way, balance that upbringing that you had and these values? And I it that my parents had a big impact on who I am more than I thought I, or maybe more than I would like. <laughs> and so- yeah. So, how do you balance that uh, bringing in the Caribbean background and re- responsibilities versus what you want to achieve, you know, for yourself that will make you happy?
0: Yeah, it's a it's a good question. Um, here's probably what's gonna happen. I'm gonna say I don't know, and then I'm gonna ramble, and then Kristen's gonna jump in and say, "Okay, so here's what you really mean." Um, so to avoid all that, I'm gonna try to be succinct, and I'm gonna give an example where two things. One. I have, I have an aunt who, uh, she is a teacher. I should have mentioned her, one of my biggest role models. And she was one of the individuals who as a kid would kind of look at me and sort of, Denzel, this is what you really want. And I remember when I moved back to New York uh, in 2019, I remember she said, she's like, you've got to let your mom go. And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, you don't want to live in New York. You're just moving back there because you want someone to be close to your mom. So if she ever needs anything, like that person's there. And of course, I was like, this woman don't know me, um, but she was right. And, and I think, you know, to Mark, when you talk about the dissociation, I don't know that I've been able to do that. Um, I think in, in many ways, like having an, an aging and single grandmother, having an aging and single mother, you know, are, are things I, I think about when I make decisions around work. Um, you know, things that could potentially impact like my finances when I, you know, I've watched seeing my great grandmother go into a nursing home and need like full-time care and the expenses that come with that. And so to think like, okay, well, I've oftentimes always think about who's going to do that for my grandmother, who's going to do that for my mother. And so I think it was always, you know, going back to language, you know, Kristen and I, were, like our high school had like language study abroad opportunities, but those were always like four or five weeks. That was great the concept of moving someplace else, even for like a year is really, really difficult because I haven't been able to dissociate myself from this, you know, this, this idea that I don't think is inherently a bad thing. I think just what happens is there's, there's no parity, right? So like my great grandmother had 12 kids, but only four of them took care of her when she was older. And I think that's the kind of challenge that you see happen. And, And usually that kind of, uh, not burden, because I don't think it's a burden, but the share of the responsibility tends to fall disproportionately on women. Uh, I I would say my family. And so I think like, you know, um, as as I've gotten older, really asking, okay, well, I don't want that to happen with my mom and my grandmother. Like, I want it to be such that like the proportionate responsibility falls on me. So what does that mean in terms of how much money I make, in terms of where I live and different things like that? And I think sometimes I, I use that as an excuse not to do things. So I don't know that I've always been great at dissociating. And, I, and, and I, when I think about the way in which to do that, it's really hard. But I, the second example is when I lived at home for four months in 2022, uh, I had a miserable time. I just remember things that I had long, I mean, our mind's ability to like out of sight, out of mind, you know, to just be like, you know, you, you, remove yourself from something for a little bit and you think you've dissociated, but you're just not in the, in, in proximate. You're just not proximate anymore. And when I went back home, it was like immediately, like the, I couldn't sleep the first night because I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot all the things that frustrate me about this place. And Long story short, you know, moms know us. And one day my mom sat me down and she was like, you're not happy here. And I don't understand why. And, you know, to cut a long story short, I said, mom, it's not you, but it's Jack. there's just like a broader like system structure, behaviors, cultural dynamics that I see here that don't make me feel good. So I don't want to be here. And so I kind of looped my mom into that. And one of her responses was, well, why can't you separate me from, so, you know, why couldn't I separate her from that? Like, why can't I separate what it means to live at home and be with my mom aside from all the other things that come with living at home? So I couldn't understand why she couldn't understand why it was so difficult for me to be there. And she couldn't understand why I couldn't understand that she's separate And an individual outside of all that. And so I think I use that example of just a moment of like, man, it's complicated. Cause that's something that she and I were trying to figure out. And ultimately, I made a decision. I was like, listen, we're going to talk, you know, we're going to get dinners, we're going (laughs) to hang out. But for where I am in my life right now, I don't think I have the like wherewithal enough or the patience or the courage or the ability to dissociate to actually live here. So I think the long answer to your story, Mark, is that's the reason I moved out, because I can't dissociate, and that's the reason I haven't, you know, made the leap or gone abroad um, or even left New York City, which, you know, and I look at you, Kristen, as I get older and older, I'm like, I don't know if New York City is it, you know, Um, just there are some, like, the city is changing in ways that um, I don't know that I want to be a part of, so, but, well, I'll probably always be here in some way, shape, or form, because, my mom and my grandmother aren't going to leave and regardless of how much I criticize my family I would be lying if I would say I don't constantly think about their you know care down the line and how I'm going to play a role in that
2: that there's there's a lot to unpack it it sounds like there's this bright red thread just kind of connecting each of your answers together um and they start the thread starts with you and your uncles and every man in your family where you're just like I cannot be y'all um and so I have to I have to do better with the knowledge that I'm gaining as an adult um but it's interesting because like I'm I recognize that this is a really important conversation and there's a lot to learn from this conversation like you're you're saying things that are so relevant to I'm sure many of your listeners but to me, like I'm, I'm listening and I'm like, wow, this is sounding very, very familiar, which happens all the time in our conversations, given our shared background. Um, I'm curious if there's like any advice that you'd give someone uh, in a similar position. And I say that, you know, <laughs> I say that as someone who's also working through the same questions that, that you are, right? Like, so I, I recognize that you may not have any advice or like you may not know what is the best thing to say to someone, but if there's anything that you think that you've learned recently that could help someone who's like in a similar position of just like, I have these ties to family I have these ties these responsibilities. um, I have these ties to these expectations that are that are on me but I'm still trying to work on freeing up myself to to return to who I need to be like what would what's one thing that you would say to someone on that journey.
0: Yeah, that's another great question. Um, I don't have all the answers. Um, All the general stuff, you know, like therapy, journaling, you know, all that general stuff out there around just like managing mental health are all good and and things that that I've used. Um, Also, first and foremost, I would say coming from a place where you're managing your own stress, because I think one of our other guests said it best, um, anger is a great source of information, but oftentimes like anger leads to, to very negative outputs. But if there's something that makes you just so deeply angry or outraged, you know, sit and listen with that feeling and, and try to track what, you know, try to track the source of it. Cause really there's something that's making you feel sad or making you feel small or making you feel insecure. And if you can identify that thing, then you can also figure out right. Like how to move on from there and, and how to feel more empowered. So I would say for me, it was really sitting with, you know, to your point, Kristen, why am I so mad? Like, what am I mad at? What are the specific behaviors? Who am I mad at? Mm-hmm. And, and I think, um, age not all the time but sometimes age is like a beautiful thing to people and so as I've gotten older and I've been able to sort of manage my own um I guess this goes back to dissociation but moving outside of my house did allow me to compartmentalize a little bit where I've gotten to a point in my life now where you know I sit down with my grandfather and I'm you know it's you know all respect and we have that conversation of okay well grandpa you know you're you're uh, however old in terms of age you're a single man and you have kids across four women like how did this happen and and sometimes some men will even initiate that like older men will even initiate that with me and so i think really being able to like sit down when i think about the who right is really feeling like you know a lot of those conversations with with the men that i think angered me in my childhood and and i think out of a fear that i would repeat some of those behaviors even though i didn't want to um, you know, because any of these things happen to any one of us, but I would say I've, uh, and again, it depends on the people in your family, but um, I've been able to have some really beautiful conversations with some of the older men who would just sit me down and talk to me about the mistakes that they made, the things that they, and you realize this stuff all goes back, right? The things they saw their father do, that their father saw their father do, and, you know, and being in an environment where it was just an enabled behavior and nobody questioned it or nobody checked it. And, you know, individuals didn't have the courage enough to hold themselves accountable. So um, those have been really beautiful. I mean, I also have older men in my family who are like, you know, in their sixties and are are bachelors and dating women in their thirties and have kids that they don't know all over the place. And and they'll stay, they'll still say that they love it and they didn't do anything wrong. And it was all the women's fault and et cetera, et cetera. So um, that's not the surefire solution, But I think it has helped me to really be able to sit down with some of these guys and just, you know, be like, yo, what, what, like, because, you know, I am not perfect. So, uh, what happened on, you know, the path from me to you, like, what were, what were those like, you know, points in the path where you got a little tripped up. So that has been, um, I'm actually going to see my grandfather next month, but yeah, we usually just talk about that kind of stuff at length. For hours and you know he'll sort of walk me through his brothers and and his mistakes and you know all that and fourth so um yeah I would say the one thing that I never thought I would do is actually like confrontation um and I really and I think sometimes starting I think it's hard for men to do but starting from a place of like yo dad or uncle or grandpa you know like as a kid I really looked up to you and I realized you did all these things and man like like that hurt that made it really hard for me to look at you in the same way and it made it hard for me to see myself as a man in some ways and so you know just want to talk through that and um but that's hard I mean it took me you know like it, I don't even know that I do that right now like I probably think it I probably want to go in there and be like grandpa I was really hurt I probably walk in there like yo what's good grandpa yeah talk to me, <laughs> about, your baby, talk to me about your baby mama's right what's, what's good dog right you know? that's tear <laughs> so, shedding at the same time uh, yeah you know, converse how you converse, but uh, just be aware of like your emotions and, and what you want to get out of it. It's a,
1: it's a lot of things. That, I think like Kristen said, a lot of things that you say, I think will resonate with our listeners, but it definitely does with me. Um, I mean, one of them is just to sit with these tough emotions, but also asking and confrontation doesn't have to be the typical you know way we see it when it comes to having to know being loud and just say hey you hurt me this is what you did like it can be through asking questions i think that's what you have been doing uh, with it seems like a lot of of men around you and your family or outside of the family and it's funny because it brings me to wanting to do that
0: can can i jump in there mark also which i completely forgot you mentioned men inside or outside of the family i've also met a lot of men and i'm talking about black men here but i've met like black men who are married and have kids and all the kids are with one woman you know like you know growing up even in my neighborhood me and all my friends we all had half siblings and that was just normal so and i'm not saying these things are good or bad but i think like getting to a place where i i I met older black men who sort of kind of had been able to you know in partnership with with their partners and their families sort of create this construct that i was maybe like looking for um and just ask them like hey what was this process like for you like did you have any challenges? Um, and so I would say on both ends, like talking to the people who maybe it didn't turn out the way they would have liked and, and maybe talking to people who it did turn out the way they, they would have liked, recognizing that like both have their challenges. And also I, I feel like I need to say like, uh, it's life, things happen. Like just because siblings are half siblings or step siblings or an individual has kids with different partners doesn't make that individual like a good or bad person or a good or bad parent. Like I've also, I also know like, wonderful, wonderful people and parents where it just didn't work out with one partner. And that's okay to say. And like, that's also really empowering, I think, especially for women of like a West Indian background, right? To like leave a man, like you don't really see stuff like that. And so, you know, um, to like leave a partner because it just didn't work out. and, And, you know, if you find another one and you have more kids with that partner, the whole concept of you find one person, you marry them and you live, so you die together and you have all the kids together. I don't know how many people live that life so it's not necessarily that but it's more so just like being actually like loving and compassionate and accountable and being there for not only your your partners but your kids and your and your family um, it's really that sort of lack of accountability and and uh, compassion that I was really just trying to address
1: I think that's good that you you clarify that but I, I also I think you you do um, do it right when you talk to family members and I I, I personally feel like it takes courage um a lot of it to to be able to ask these questions and just also sit in you know that uncomfortableness of of hearing about your family's past and mistakes um I feel like that's something I'd like to do it's funny because I think you do it sounds like you do it more with the the men um of your family or, or other that you know I, a lot of my family members are, are, are women, and so I wonder, and it's been so hard for me to mentally kind of bring myself to doing that. I, I think it's fear um, of, I don't know, you know, it's something out there, but I would like to have the courage um, to do that um, and sit with my, my my parents, you know, my aunts, my mom and others, and ask these tough questions and understand what the past, you know, mistakes or, or decisions um why the women and all these things. So, um I have to say um I don't want to take too much time, but because we've talked about this, yeah. but I want to say um, thank you to, you know, to Denzel for playing this uh awkward but fun interesting game that is interviewing ourselves. Uh I want to thank obviously Kristen for joining me today as the co, you know, co-host, um and adding just color and context and history to to it all as well. Uh having known Denzel for, um since high school and um, it was great to have you. On the podcast Kristen. it thanks was for fun having too. me this is so much yes. fun yes. yes um thank you thank you kristin exactly and thanks again um for your time and, and for the deep dive into you know denzel's life right um <laughs> and mind so thank you all and uh, all the best we hope you enjoyed this episode of the mad mad podcast where mark and denzel made a podcast please take a moment to rate review subscribe and share and catch you on the next episode